0: This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Today's message is, uh, yeah, awesome. Don't forget to value people. And uh, we read last week... we can end on that. We're good to go. Don't forget to valley people. Thank you guys. Do it. <laughs> Last week's sermon. Next slide, please. When the people of God aren't told the works of God from the word of God, they lose the wonder of God. I don't know where I saw that. I thought it was cool. It's kind of, you know. <laughs> but it's It's so true that when we don't pass on, well, first of all, when we don't establish a relationship with God, we disconnect from Him and we lose sight of Him. And that's what that whole, the whole book of Judges was, right? So, next slide. So when we don't cultivate our love for God, we lose the ability to truly love people Amen. So, next slide. You guys remember this? The bot circle. Don't be a bothead. Don't go through that cycle. If you just stick with God, love God, you won't lose God. And so, yeah. Don't forget your love, character. I love. Uh, next slide. Yeah. Go to the next one. Yeah. So I like this. This is a summary of last week's message. Don't forget your love of God. Character is greater than gifting or ability. Living in his presence is a discipline. And Jesus is the only fully successful life in the Bible. Well, maybe the two dudes that got caught up in fire, but I don't know. They're they're still people. So I have some opening questions here opening questions next slide it's difficult for them to hear me there we go oh that's well you don't know, stay there my opening questions it's um so who in here raise your hand if you want to make a change in your world all right who's not raising their hand <laughs> We all want to make a difference. We all want to change the world. Yeah, we just took a tally. We all want to make a change in the world. Okay, how many of you would like to improve your own life the second half of this year? How many of you would like to improve your life now through December? Raise your hand. Hold it high. Yeah, anyone? Raise your hand if you would like to improve someone else's life throughout the remainder of the year. Yeah, most of us. <laughs> so, um, let's do this Matthew five thirteen. Oh, you know what? Did we run, walk around and talk to people? We didn't do it. Should we interrupt the service and get up and talk? Yeah? You know what? Let's interrupt the service. Why don't everyone, you got one minute. Go talk to someone that you don't know. Go, these guys go over here. These guys go over here. Con Jesús la vida es más sabrosa, con Jesús te quiero mucho más, con el sol, la luna y las estrellas, con Jesús todo es felicidad, pa, pa, pa. <laughs> One minute. <laughs> yeah. Do I put that chimichanga in there for one minute or two minutes? Two minutes. Anyone? Encino man? One minute. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, okay. So we all want to make a difference. So Matthew 5. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but salt and light. We've all heard this scripture many times, right? Next slide. So this is our purpose. To make things better. That's the salt. And to make things brighter. That's the light. Make stuff better and brighter, right? Next. So uh, turn on the light, guys. We really like to curse the darkness, but (laughs) that doesn't help all the time. It's better to just be a light than be a finger pointing. So next. I'm gonna try and, there we go. We are to be a catalyst for change. This is why we are salt and light. We're to be world changers, right? We are to be that. That's what we're supposed to be. Our calling isn't limited to these eight walls. (laughs) Our calling isn't limited to this building. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) That boy good. We're not limited, our influence isn't limited to just the people that we know. Our influence is not limited to here, right? Really, we're supposed to take this thing that we have everywhere to everyone. So next, so why aren't we making a bigger impact? Why are we not making a bigger impact on our communities? And that's, I think that's, that's a question that's haunted me ever since I left my own youth group, <laughs> like uh, 35 years ago. Just kidding. That's been a question for, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing. Five years ago. Yeah? <laughs> that's been a question on my heart for a long time. Why, I, I want more impact. I want to see a bigger impact. It's one thing to want it. (laughs) Right? I want a lot of stuff. So, why is it? Is it because we're self-serving? Because people think we're hypocrites? Is it because we're religious, but not spiritual? Or is it because maybe we're seen as arrogant? I don't know. But, as I was praying about this, next slide, I think this might be a big one. I think the perception the world has of us is we're not that different from them. And that's I know that's mean to say. That's harsh to say. And I'm not talking about anyone here specifically. I'm just saying in generalities, people that don't know me, they don't know me. They don't know me. What do they know about me? Nothing. I think overall the church is viewed as not that different. I think I was even a while back I was comparing again, even even looking at the divorce rate, it's half, half, everywhere, right? Plus or minus. But it's not that different in the church than out of the church. And I know there's details on that. I think a lot of people that call themselves Christians really don't know God. And that might be one thing. But when I talk to people outside of here, I really aim always to make some sort of connection with that person. Um, again, uh, when I used to live in Firestone, sometimes we'd have to go and do a lot of stuff in the community over there. And in that church in Firestone, gosh, were we involved in the community. And I noticed one day, you can't go anywhere with Steve without him saying something to someone, something, anything, a joke, a comment on their shoes. Even one of those, if someone runs into a wall, hey, there's a wall there. (laughs) You know, I mean, the guy just talks to anyone about anything at any time. And uh, it's something that I've, I've picked up from people like him. Always talk to people. Don't be afraid. Even if you're shy, we can talk to people. And it's part of our calling. I know not, it's not all of our strengths. But you can't share the gospel without, <laughs> without your voice, without your sharing your life. It's easy. Like, hey, do you like knitting? Yeah. Hey, let me tell you about the blood of Christ. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but really just make a connection with people, right? Outside. And it's, it's, it's not that hard. It's just, you know. You can talk about, what is it, uh, family, occupation, recreation, and motivation, or ministry. I say motivation, you said ministry, or your dream, yeah, your dream, Ford, I like form, Ford, but talk about their dream, your motivation, what, what do you like to do? If you get people to talk about themselves, they can talk forever. So. Next slide. Everything that we want and everything that you need, but you don't have it, is outside of your comfort zone. That's from Mr. John Maxwell. But the question I posed two seconds ago, why? How bad do I want to change my world? How bad do I really want it? If I want it and I don't have it, it's because It's outside of what I'm already doing. It's outside of what I'm used to. It's outside of my comfort zone. It's easy, really easy, to stay in your comfort zone. I mean, I like being comfortable. I like it a lot. (laughs) But when I get out of my comfort zone, two things. Initially, I don't like it. And eventually, it grows on me. I end up usually embracing it. You kind of have to, right? When you're outside of your comfort zone, you got to embrace the different. So right now in our world, guys, the world is in a lot of pain or fear, right? And it's exactly at that time, historically, adversity helps the church grow. Like when the crazy comes, the church grows. But I mean like real adversity, right? I I keep hearing that we were um, being persecuted, but when I think of like the Roman, like how those people under Roman rule were persecuted, I mean they were like killed in front of families and stuff. That's really bad persecution. I'm not saying I want that. (laughs) I don't want to be that far out of my comfort zone. (laughs) But I am saying if we want this thing, It's almost like we have to ignite an emergency in our own mind, right? A lot of times we won't do anything until it's an emergency. And we almost have to treat it like, hey, we really got to get out there and talk to these people. If we really love God, then we'll also really love people. So change is uncomfortable. Do this with me right now. Cross your arms. Every time we do that, we do it the exact same way. If you cross your arms, I do it the same way every time. Flip your arms around. Do it the opposite way. Doesn't it feel weird? It feels odd. It feels like my hand is short or something. It feels weird. You know? Now, do another thing with me uh, clasp your hands. So, what thumb is over, which thumb is over the other thumb? For me, my left thumb is over the right thumb. Flip it around. Make your opposite thumb go over the other thumb and clasp your hands. It feels like you're holding a stranger's hand. It feels weird. It's like, what is going on? I heard a joke. I don't even know if you can pray with your hands clasped the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It's gonna be uncomfortable, and it's okay to initiate discomfort. Is that it? Yeah. Right now, <clears throat> I think. Well, I'm gonna skip this so I can keep it short. <laughs> Trust is conducive to change. Let's go to the next slide. I might have to go. There we go, yeah. Trust is conducive to change. Like, I think what my initial thing, I I think the overall church is viewed as not that different. I think that translates to not that trustworthy. Okay, and again, I'm not saying you guys in here, you guys are perfect. No one in here ever does anything wrong especially not Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> She's the only, Sharon, Sharon is a saint. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, trust. I think that in order for people, in order for us as a church to start to gain influence, I think we have to build up people's trust in us. Okay, so The rest of the message is dedicated to this. So here we go. Next slide. Four ways. Here's number one, value people. These are four ways to create an environment of trust. So number one is going to be value people. There we go. Yes. So valuing people, this is how we connect to people. If you value someone, it's easier to connect with them. When we don't value people, we disconnect from people. If I don't find someone valuable, I will draw away from them. That's, that's natural to all of us. But when we value people, we search that person out. We, we try to connect with them, even if it's with a joke, even if it's for an instant. You know, I'm not saying be on the phone with everyone all day. I'm just saying connect with people. Find them valuable. Like my friend John Kai over here makes some of the best fries I've ever tasted in my life. Oh, those fries, so good. But you know what? John is a valuable person in and of himself. Even even I know he has a lot of qualities that make him valuable. Outside of that, just John as an individual is a valuable man. And that can be said for all of us. Outside of our talents, outside of what I can do for you and you can do for me, we're valuable. No matter if we can give each other something or not. Right? Didn't Jesus die for people? <laughs> not the cool ones. Not the valuable ones. Not the pretty and handsome ones. He died for all, everyone. So, there is, uh, yeah, Jesus valued everybody. Everyone, right? There's not a single person on earth that he didn't value. He valued every single person. So next slide, Mark 12, again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if you love God, you love people, right? Love God with everything, everything you got, everything you got, love God with everything. And then after that, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Like love people the way you want to be loved. Treat people the way you would like to be treated. So how I see you, next slide. How I see you determines my attitude. Next. How I see you determines my attitude toward you. Next. If I see you as weak, then I'll help you. If I see you as broken, I'll fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I'll serve you. And then, I, I, the thing, the story that comes to my mind is the Good Samaritan. The, this was the guy, the Samaritan, obviously, we've all heard this story, but he valued that guy in the ditch. The other two guys, the, the other two religious leader folk, uh, they, they saw it as a burden, right? They walked around because it's out of their way, they didn't want to spend the money, they didn't have the time, but the Samaritan, he saw that person and he served that person. He served that person because he, he picked him up, he helped him, he wound, uh, helped his wounds, cleaned him up, paid for his hotel, left him there, and then even said to the hotel manager, hey, whatever else you need, I'll pay for it. When I come back, I'll pay for all the expenses. That could, that could mean like 12 days of housing. It's a long time. But that, that guy just served this man. And I think the way that we truly serve people is when we see them as a valuable person. Because if I fix you, or if I just help you, in both of those initial positions, I'm on top. I'm on the top. I'm, I'm helping. Oh, poor, poor guy, poor girl. But if you see someone as valuable, you're not above them. You serve them. And to be a servant, you have to be underneath that person. And that's what Jesus did. He served humans. It's weird. God, king of the whole universe, creator of everything and everyone, served. He didn't show up in Lord over. He showed up and served. So if he, <laughs> I'm not Jesus. I'm not nothing close to him. I should serve. I should, I should serve because he served. So you got like 35 pages of notes here. Yeah. Uh-uh. So next slide. So point number two, First one, value people. Number two, now that you value people, add value to people. When we add value to people, this is how we build a bridge with them. Adding value to people helps you actually establish a connection with them. <clears throat> this is how we influence people. Like I like how Steve said a while back, you know, we don't, we're don't. we not trying to... Make a a million catch-the-fire churches in all the world. We're not trying to, how do I say, we're not trying to multiply this template necessarily. We're looking to influence people. We're not looking to build up our kingdom. We're just looking to build up his. And the way to build his kingdom is, well, you don't always got to take the credit. Just influence others. But I think that a really strong way to influence others is by adding value to them. The way you add value to people is you really you, you do things for them. You help them. It's it can be a compliment, it can be mowing someone's lawn, buying someone's lunch, spending five minutes to see how they're doing. Like there's so many different little ways that we can add value to a person. <clears throat> Influence. Then we're gonna go to the next slide. So Oh, okay. So just because you have influence, I mean, just because you have a lot to say, that doesn't mean you have influence. <laughs> I got a lot to say. I got so many opinions, it doesn't mean anyone wants to hear it. Influence cannot be forced. It only can be received freely. You can't force your influence on someone. You can't. You can't. People will not. I remember riding the bus, Sometimes there's these guys that just get up and start screaming at the top of their lungs, whatever. And no one on that bus cares anything about what they're saying because they're just getting up and speaking nonsense. And no one cares. Just because you got a lot to say doesn't mean that you have influence. That one was from the great Bruno Pachuca. (laughs) Just Just joking. So... We increase influence by adding value. We increase our influence by serving people. Isn't that weird? The way to increase your influence on someone is literally by helping them, doing favors for them, talking to them. That's how you increase influence in a person's life is you add, add, add to them. So number three, live out good values. This is how we become attractive Christians when we live it out. This is how we can change that perception that the world might have of us. And I joke and I say, no, no, this in here. I actually like you guys. Like, I think that everyone in here, I've, I've talked to you, spent time with most everyone, and, and I like you guys. You guys are pretty cool people. Like, I think you guys are all pretty cool. <laughs> but they don't know that, Right? That no one else knows you guys, they don't know me. And so when we start to live this out, when we first we love God, and then after that, we love each other here in the church. I also don't like the church fighting itself. That's dumb, that's bothead mentality. So after we love each other, right, and then we love them too, our, our influence will rise. Okay? This is how we become attractive Christians. You live these values. You live it out. So Galatians 5, 22, 23. Do I have it up there? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. This is what we got. (laughs) You ask for patience, you want more love, you want more joy, it's... It's the fruit of the spirit. Water it. I think of, I was joking with Taylor, it's like maybe I have a little grape of patience. <laughs> maybe I want a watermelon of patience. How do you grow plants? You water them, right? What's the water? The Holy Spirit. What's that? God's presence. If you spend time with God and you love him and then practice your love, that little tiny grape of joy that you might got. Might have, it'll grow into an apple, and then a tangerine, and then whatever's bigger, and then a the watermelon. <laughs> like, it'll grow. If you grow this fruit, you water it, your spiritual fruit, it can, it can get bigger, better. But we have to be conscious. We have to, it's, it's something, again, that we do on purpose. It just, it's not like I say, God, oh, give me more patience, and then, and then I'm patient. It doesn't happen that way. It just happens by practice. God give me more patience and then God gives me people that make me need patience. That's how it works, right? I know that because I'm here and people have needed to be patient with me (laughs) because we're not perfect and we deal with each other, we love each other, we walk it out. This is how we grow this fruit by living it out. So yeah. Dude. Oh okay. So here's a few things I wanna say that I've been listening to a lot of Mr. John Maxwell and just other Zig Ziggy, Ziggy Ziggler. <laughs> These like old school, really awesome, very encouraging guys. But John Maxwell he he hit me with a reality that I've been trying to pinpoint, like I've been feeling in my spirit, what is this thing I'm feeling in here? So one of the, a few of the things that he's been, that I, I got from him lately, he says, uh, for uh, as far as law or religion, how do I say? I don't like to make religion a bad word. Like religion is good. There's actually good religion, but there is, uh, there is empty religion too. So when we abide the law. When we we try to live by the law before God, before his love, when we try to live religion and law outside of his love, that's empty religion. And so we can never see the law. We can't lift them up over God's love. We can't lift them up over grace. We can't. When When we raise the law above the values, we diminish those values. So what are the values that we're talking about? adding value, loving, joy, peace. When we raise the law above those values, we make less of those values. Those values are, I don't think they're, I think they're limitless. The fruit of the spirit, I don't know that it has a a cap. I think the fruit of the spirit, If as long as you keep growing it, it'll turn into the James and the giant peach, giant stinking, I, I know like there are some people that when you get around them, It takes very little, and you can feel the love of God drip off of them. I remember Duncan Smith, that that guy and his wife. Duncan and Kay Smith were here for a weekend. And in the first five minutes that I met this guy, I felt like he knew me, like he was expecting me, like he had researched a little bit about me to know me. I never met someone that interested in me. And I thought, dang, what the heck? Did someone tell this guy something about me? What's going on? That's how he was with everyone. And so when I think of a person that is full of lo- valuing people, I think of a guy like that. Like, he, I don't know. I don't get it. He just oozed love for, of God for people. And you know what happened? We wanted to know what he thought about us. And we wanted his insight as a leadership. And he smacked us across the face. <laughs> he, he didn't tell us nice, cool, cute things that we wanted to hear. He and his wife really, like, leaned into us. But it was invited. Because he valued us, because she valued us, we received that loving criticism with open arms. And we're doing our best to better, to better what we do here. <clears throat> so let's go... What's the next slide? Oh, okay. So, I'm gonna go back to this. So, number four, share your faith through love. Sharing your faith is more about your actions than your preaching, right? Matthew 7, 12. The golden rule, right? It's just, this is the golden rule. Treat others as you wanna be treated. Or as Jamie would say, tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. <laughs> but talk about people how you want to be talked about, or treat someone how you would like to be treated. So Mark 12, 30 through 31. Next. Oh, how'd that get there? <laughs> Next, aww, aww. Uh, that baby is getting chunky. She has the fattest little cheeks. <laughs> I love this. I love my baby. Um, what is the next slide? <laughs> uh, you don't, we don't need more laws. The answer isn't even to enforce the laws that we already have. Change is brought about, is not brought about by more rules. I like the rules. I, I don't like breaking rules. I, I, I like the rules to an extent, <laughs> right? But the answer isn't to make rules on top of rules. The answer isn't to enforce those rules to the point where if you break them, you're in big trouble. My guys, my, my people here, if the law, if legislation was the answer, we would never have needed the New Testament and Jesus. If the laws and legislation was the answer, we never would have needed The the next half the new the new uh, the 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 New Testament I'm trying to think I'm I'm getting stuck in Spanish here but we would have never needed what Jesus did fulfilling the law and then giving us this whole new system so wrapping it up that was a quick message. I'm barely halfway through. Just kidding. Wrapping it up. So last week, we talked about living in his presence. And so living in God's presence is a discipline. So I want to add to that. Valuing people is also a discipline. It doesn't happen by accident. Loving God and maintaining that love for God is a conscientious decision. Bless you and valuing people and showing people that you value them also is a little bit of work it's it takes time it takes effort on our part so the people in the book of Judges those are those guys lost their way they forgot about God and then they became corrupt and brutal people at the end of the book of Judges I, I read through it a few times again, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Those last from 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 uh, after what, 18 through 21, it is disgusting. It's it's perverted. It's scary. It's bad. But it starts off with Micah. He makes a again. He makes an idol. He gets the silver from his mom, he and his mom make an idol, and they make this ephod, this idol, again, out of silver, in their home. Like, you you think that they might have learned their lesson, again, they're back to it. And then, he, he brings in a Levite, he brings in a priest, and he hires him to be his personal priest, and you think that they learned their lesson He's made an idol. He brings in a priest. And he hires his own son to be a priest. And he thinks he's in the right. If you read the book, he he actually says, this is great. I'm doing God's work. He he thinks that he's doing good. That's deception. When we think we're doing something right, but we're not. And, And then later on in the book, it ends with, the the murder of someone's wife and then this dude it's I don't want to say it. it's kind of really graphic but it gets really bad and it ends with a civil war I think it's their first civil war between the Jews the Benjamites and everyone else the tribe of Benjamin and everyone else and they go back and forth all because of this incident that happened And here's what I realized. They think they're doing the right thing. They say, someone killed this man's wife, we're gonna right that wrong. Who did it? Let's kill them. The Benjamites are like, no, no one wants to say who it was. So then the whole other, all the other tribes, they say, well, if you don't give them up, we're going to war. And they go to war. And the Benjamites are almost done away with. The tribe of Benjamin is almost gone. But they're scattered in the desert. And then, after that, someone else, I mean, uh, again, they feel bad. Now they, they just almost killed the tribe of Benjamin. And now they're like, oh, no, what do we do? Uh, for, well, how do we can't lose the tribe of Benjamin? And they go back and they try to right the wrong that they themselves did. And they end up <laughs> they end up killing another tribe to give them wives to right that wrong, to, so that the tribe of Benjamin doesn't die out. And then it's not enough wives, so then they go to another place and they steal all those wives. It's like, "What are you guys?" And they're, they're, they're going back and forth. They, it's like, um, it, they do something, they try to fix it. They do that, they try to fix it. And it's just this ping pong of trying to do the right thing and also doing bad things. And I realized that's how, that's how we can be apart from God. And the last, the last phrase in Judges, in those days, there was no king. Meaning in those days, they had no authority. They accepted no authority they were their own authority. And then, because of that, they lost their way. And Because of that, I'm sorry, Israel had no king, and they, everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. That's, where, that's what we, and we, we do what's right in our own eyes. When we do what feels good only, we end up hurting people. When we don't love God, we become our own authority. And when I'm my own authority, i hurt people that's the whole thing if you love god you will love people and so it's it's i know this this message wasn't as funny or as nice as last week's it's real and my challenge is this my challenge is let's go to the next slide to end here how do we love people how do we value people next understand that jesus valued everyone 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 say that together. Jesus loved everyone, 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 everyone. <laughs> Next, add value five ways. And this is the five love languages, but this is so simple, right? You give gifts, you spend time with people, you hug someone, you shake their hand. It's quality or physical touch. Uh, Words of affirmation, hey man, I like your glasses, you like my frames? (laughs) Like we have the same glasses almost. But words of affirmation, hey, I see you, I like you, (laughs) essentially. Uh, Acts of service, that's like, for me, that's the big one, for me personally. When someone um, does something for me, oh my gosh, do I feel loved. More than if you give me a $500 gift, I might not like that gift, I'll be honest, it's hard to buy for me, but if you do something for me, even if it's a small thing, man does that make me feel like you care about me. Find out what makes people feel loved. And then the last one, I think this one I added this, I think being humble and admitting when you're wrong really shows that you care about someone. It's so hard for some of us to admit when we're wrong and to ask for forgiveness. Next slide. I think these are the three of the hardest things to say. Next. I was wrong. Say that with me. I was wrong. Next. Forgive me. That, you guys, can you, uh, one, two, three. Forgive, Forgive me. Last one. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> these three of the hardest things to say. The, the Spanish one is that's the, the Spanish word there is really hard to say. <laughs> but that's a joke. For reals. Being humble and knowing when you're wrong and accepting it and being responsible and then trying to better a relationship. Man, that goes a long way. So let's do this, guys. Do I have one more slide there? Yeah. Do we really want to change people? Then we have to trust. We, win, we need to earn people's trust. We got to value them and and actually show them that we value them. And is that it? Yeah. And that's it. This is the last slide. Those are the four ways to that we can begin to build our the trust of our church in their eyes. A wise man once said, their perception is their reality. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I think they think. <laughs> Josh, you laugh. <laughs> but what they think That's in their head. That's their reality. I like you guys. I want people to like you and like us. But, so value people. Add value to people. Live out these good values, integrity. And share your faith through these values, through love. So I'm going to end with that. I'm going to hand over the mic to the man, the myth, and the legend. Mr. Vernon Caswell. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. Be humble and value people.